Wow. And and this is New Ulm, Minnesota, which uh, does have a very nice hospital. However, they were unprepared for what I had brought to them. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How you doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 43 of the Chris and Christine Show. Yes, number 43. That is fantastic, Christine. Thank you for joining us today on this lovely Saturday. Yes, Saturday of Father's Day weekend. So by the time you all are listening, it will be actual Father's Day. So Chris, happy Father's Day. Thank you. I'm a father. You know, the first time I became a father, it was very nervous and nerve wracking. And I was so excited, had all this excitement when we we rushed uh, Jacob's mom to the hospital to uh, deliver the baby, Jacob. I was so nervous. I didn't sleep and I was pacing. And uh, well, I, had all the- I hope you wouldn't sleep at the hospital while she's in labor. Well, I did fall asleep during that point. But, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take a nap. You guys got this, right? I'm taking a nap. <laughs> Let me know when it's all done. No, I was there and I actually cut the umbilical cord too. <laughs> I did all that. Everybody was there. I, I had two cameras going. Before we had iPhones um, that really like took good video and stuff, I had this old camera thing I had, mm-hmm. and then I had my other phone, and then I had another camera. So I had like three devices. I'm trying to like hold them all and film the delivery and uh, be there and cut the cord, and then I tossed the phone to some, my mom or someone. Hey, can you film this? So she filmed me cutting the cord. She was in the delivery room yeah, she when was, Jacob was born? Yeah, she was there. What? Um, I don't know if my dad was there or not. I don't remember. Like in the room when he came out? I believe so. And uh. what was weird is that when they had the delivery, it was natural birth for my oldest, and when he came out, they, um, the flooring of the room we're in wasn't carpeted or tile. It was like this wood flooring, and I always thought like, like if like the nurse or whoever delivered the baby like dropped it would like there was no table it was like of course o- not open so like i thought like if they dropped the baby like he would like hit the floor <laughs> and like <laughs> get ahead drop the baby when he's born i will get so slimy when it comes out <laughs> okay. you know, right <laughs> so i thought that that she was gonna drop drop jacob as he came out but she caught him you know and then did the whole wrapping it up and, and all that fun and cut the cord and then instantly after i remember this after jacob was born they wrapped him up put him on uh his mom's chest did like the Uh mother thing and the very first thing jacob did was pee on her (laughs) so there you go classic that's my father's day tale of today (laughs) i love that i love your stories you know i think that i get to learn these along the way because you know Part of us only being together for the past two years is I came into your life after you were a well-established father. And so a lot of those memories that you've had of like previous Father's Days and things like that, I get kind of sad that I didn't get to share those with you. But I love it when you tell me stories like that. So I would love to ask you one more. Yeah, what's up? What has been your favorite Father's Day memory if you have one? Gee, I don't know. Um, probably last Father's Day. Didn't uh, you get the boys to have me make? The, was that sign? Was that Father's Day? The last sign on the wall is that Father's Day gift or birthday? That gift? That was the first Father's Day that. Well, that's we the one I like. Dating. Then that's the one I like. Is, is that the? Are you sure? Wait, it was your birthday. 
Oh, then never mind. <laughs> never mind that, people. It was my birthday one. But uh, okay. Well, I have to tell everybody what what it is that we're referencing. So, uh, Chris and I had been dating for uh, like four or five months, and his birthday was coming around. And you know, buying for birthdays when you're in a dating relationship, when you're not like like engaged yet, it's always one of those things. Like, what do I get them? Well, you I know? always struggle with that, even now. Right. So I was like, well, I'm going to help the boys get something and do something meaningful. And so we went to Michael's, the craft store, and we got this thing. It looks like um, a portion of a wooden pallet. So it has like the wooden strips and there's like some braces on the back. There's like five little um, strips of wood and a little twine hanging thing. But then we got letters that says, you are awesome, dad. And the boys painted them in different colors. And then they put their handprints on it. We'll put a picture up on Instagram after this uh, releases. That would be a great thing for Father's Day. It would be a great Father's Day post. Now I think about it. You post it on Instagram saying, happy Father's Day. Post that picture. And that would be great. Yeah, I have some of the cutest pictures of them making that for you in my apartment. Well, let's put those up too. Yeah. uh, Yeah, that'd be great I have some really funny ones. Their hands are like covered with blue paint and they're like acting like rock stars because I took them with me for a couple hours one day when you had to work. And so um, that was a real fun memory. But um, so that was your favorite memory of something they gifted you, but not necessarily Father's Day, right? Well, I don't can recall any Father's Day in particular, are you pointing at something I, I should no, know about? No, I was just asking. I just like to hear memories. I'm I love hearing stories, and I love it when people tell me stories of like different things that have made a difference in their life. So I was just asking if there was anything that you wanted to share, but that's well, okay. Well, I do remember also when my second kid was born, when Mason was born, he was done via C-section, so I didn't get to see him come out like the other, like Jacob. But when they did pull him out. Um, I, they, I was the very first person other than the nurse wrapping him up that actually held Mason and I held him and everything when he was a little baby, the first person in the fa- of the family yeah. to hold him. So father's day double deuce. I was there at both deliveries and I held both the kids. Yeah. He would have um, been like one month old on that father's day following his birth. Right. Cause he was born in May and oh yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, So he was teeny tiny baby. Yeah, Father's yeah. Day is tomorrow, by the way. Well, and by the time you hear this, it's today, but yes. Yeah, be that Saturday. <laughs> so, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there in, yeah. in radio podcast land. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to Ezekiel's dad, if he's listening. Don't know if he does, but um, I think that especially after you've gone through a divorce, it's really important that you still show your children and make an effort to celebrate the other parent, even if you aren't physically together. And so that's one thing um, that I continue to do is help Zeke shop for a gift. Now, the dilemma this year is Zeke hasn't been down here for three weeks, so we didn't get to shop ahead of time. So when he comes down on Monday night, we're going to do some online shopping and send his dad a slightly belated Father's Day gift. But I wanted Zeke to pick it instead of me just like randomly shopping for a gift card and just, you know, sending it and being like, here you go. Happy Father's Day. I think that having the kids involved is really important. That is very important. And, and today, uh, when my kids came over to the house today, their mom had got me a Father's Day. Uh, well, let's say it's from her, them, but really, you know, she probably paid for it. It's a couple of gift cards to some restaurants. That was super nice of her. Shout out to Shannon. Oh, Yes. Way to rock it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we got you a gift also. I can't wait for you to see what it is tomorrow. Actually, a big gift and a small gift. And one of them, 
Uh, well, just, don't spoil it. I want to. What if I want it is? I know, but one of them just got delivered. I was thinking it wasn't going to make it in time. It got delivered today. Yeah, it got delivered today. Did I see? That was it? Was it like a? Delivery? It's while we've been up here. I just got a notification. Oh, so it's downstairs in the in, in the front at uh, the front door. Also, speaking of what you <laughs> parked by the front door. Mm-hmm. What, Chris? Well, uh, don't give away my good news. You can ask me about it. Okay, Christine. <laughs> yes. W- what did we do yesterday? Or actually, I'm sorry. What did you decide Thank to do ye- you. yesterday? Not well, me. But well, you. what did I do? I okay. So let me tell you the story. I've been thinking about getting a family-friendly car because I have, as my dad likes to call it, a sardine can. A sardine can. <laughs> I drive. Uh, well, I drove. A convertible Camaro and it, Chantilly. Chantilly. It, it was amazing. Yeah. Convertible Camaro, white. Yeah. So what happened was about two and a half years ago, I needed to get a new car. My previous SUV, it was um, it was older and it was about to start having to have some big repairs that needed to be done. And so I uh, traded it in and I got Chantilly. It was already paid off. So I got some good credit on the car. Um, and then... I um, drove Chantilly for two and a half years and she's been great, but we now have a family of five and my car has only four seats and the back seat is really small. So yeah, it's I, only a four seater, you said? Right. So when we went that weekend to go look at your truck, I think we mentioned on this podcast two episodes, two episodes ago that we went to one dealership to look at the Tellurides and they weren't producing them. Well, I decided on Friday because I was on a vacation day to go over to the Toyota dealership because they had this deal. They were flashing it saying they'll buy back your old car. And I needed to to trade in my, my Camaro if I wanted to get a new one. And so I went and I talked to the guy. It drives me nuts, Chris, when I go on these lots and they treat me like I'm a dingbat. Like this is where the gas goes, sweetie. Oh, by the way, you sit in here. Oh, seriously. This one salesman at the Toyota dealership, he was like that. And I was asking him questions. And, you know, you and I had looked at what I wanted to go look at in person. We discussed like what SUV would fit our family. So I told him and you know, I'm looking and I asked him, you know, does the third row actually lay flat? And he's like, yeah. And I said, does it lay completely flat? And he says, yes. Well, he drops it down. And I said, oh, there's a slight angle to it. And he goes, well, I guess, I mean, if you wanted to get out a protractor. Oh, kind of rude like that. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm looking at a, you know, five figure investment of a vehicle and you're being a jerk to me. All right. So I ended up leaving. I was respectful. I always am. And I was like, you know, I called Chris and I, uh, he was home because one of the boys had gotten hurt um, riding the bicycle. And so he had to go take care of that um, with one of the kiddos. And so I called him on my way over to the Ford dealership. And I was like, I think that I'm just going to go to the Ford dealership and I'm going to go see Reagan, the one that, you know, helped you purchase your truck. And I'll just see if he's working and see if they have any deals. And I am not going to buy anything today. That's what I said. <laughs> Everybody says that when they go sh- looking at cars and next thing you know, they got the new car. It's right. a new car fever. It's like a, it's like a fever, you know? Well, what happened for me was I needed to figure out a way to get somebody to take over the, the loan that I had on my Camaro without being upside down. That's what I wanted to get at. And I wanted to minimize my overhead. And so anyways, not going to get into all the details, but El Cajon Ford yet again came through for us and worked a sweet deal. And I brought home my brand new, beautiful 2020 Ruby Red Ford Explorer. 
Woo-hoo. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, I'm not like Chris. I'm not like a bells and whistles kind of girl. Well, the the, the like, car's got some bells and whistles well, to it. Hey, hey, hey. Let me let me tell my story, okay. buddy. Okay. Oh, sorry. Mr. Ford Roush. Go right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go right ahead. I, I got a, a reasonable model and it's not super fancy. It is a beautiful car, and but it fits my needs. But most more than anything, it's practical and I'm going to get better fuel efficiency and it's less to insure overall. And let's be real. I have kind of outgrown the Camaro. I'm sad to say. Hey, I love the Camaro. I love but the, her too. I love her. I love her. I love to the top down. We should have done it one last time. I but know. I know. But how many times did we actually use the Camaro for the Camaro like convertible stuff? Not a well, whole lot. You didn't always go with me, honey. That's what I would do when I was really stressed out in the evenings. I would put the top down and I'd drive out to the beach and I would just like blast my music. And, you know, she was a really important vehicle for me during an important season of life. It was like my first purchase all by myself as a single girl. And I was so excited when I could like walk into the dealership, kind of like we talked about with you, walk into the dealership, qualify for everything on my own, no co-signer coming out of a really messy divorce, getting my credit back on track. So it was like a very symbolic investment for me, but I knew at some point in time that she wouldn't be my forever car. And I just was, you know, I'd prayed about it and thinking about like, I needed to get a different car. It wasn't urgent. You know, we got the truck, but you know, I'm going to have Zeke down here for a month. Plus the boys, we're going to start doing some summer travel stuff. And while we could take the truck, I really was desiring Maybe it's like nesting. Like, I wanted something for the family. It's like when you go from like your small apartment or whatever to buying your first rural house. Right. Like, and you think about the rooms you might need. Like, I might need four rooms or two, instead of buying a two bedroom, you think three or four bedroom. And because you might need this or that or or a yard or, or whatever. So, Bravo, babe. Thank you. I'm, and I'm so not proud saying of this, you. I'm not saying this to brag, and I know that it could come across as that. We know that there are so many families that are going through so many very challenging things right now, and this isn't to diminish that or to be flashy in front of others. We know that um, our circumstances are unique, but I think that when good things happen for one another, it's really important that we do still celebrate those good things, especially coming through a really hard couple of months for our entire country emotionally. I found that when other people share their good news, it gives me more optimism and hope. Like we're turning a corner. Haven't you? Can't you feel that? Oh yeah, totally. I totally agree. Yeah. And I think that that really connects with what we are going to be talking about today. We have a fantastic guest with us today who really is going to share with us about the importance of gratitude through something that was a really life-threatening situation. And we're going to be right back with our special guest after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And today, our very special guest happens to be a public speaker, a teacher, and also a fellow podcaster and has a very unique story. Please welcome to the show, Chris Gordon. Oh, Thanks. Thanks, everyone. I really appreciate the applause. Hey, no problem, Chris. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing very well. How are you two Chris's doing? 
<laughs> we're doing great. Yeah, it's the Chris, Chris, and Christine show for today. That's pretty fun. Yeah, yes, that's fantastic. So, hey, Chris, where in the world are you coming to us from today? I live in New Ulm, Minnesota. New Ulm, Minnesota. So I have a couple of experiences in Minnesota. I've been to the Twin Cities. That's where I normally fly in to see my sister. And I've been to Rochester and Eden Prairie. So where do you live in proximity to those places? I am two hours southwest of the Twin Cities and about two hours west of Rochester. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Now, is, uh, are you guys starting to see the turnaround for the weather? Is it starting to become more, more summer-like, or are you still, you still hanging on to the winter? Oh, no, no, no. It's very beautiful. Uh, today, my uh, kids and I rode to the local brewery to feed the deer. Your kids did? <laughs> to the brewery? Yes. yes. Uh, that's, uh, the funny thing about New Ulm, it has uh, two number twos. Uh, there's uh, the, the second... Uh, oldest family-owned brewery in the United States called Shell's Brewery. Hmm. Okay. And it started in 1860. And the second tallest copper statue in the country, which is the Herman the German statue. <laughs> so is it like a German town? It is so German. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, uh, no. When I moved here in 2002, I had been to Germany earlier that year. And then when I went to visit my then girlfriend, now wife, I, I was in, I was in town for maybe 10 seconds. And I, and I thought, yeah, this is German. It, it is, it was settled by German uh, immigrants in 1854. And uh, then a couple years later, the brewery opened, but yeah, it's very German. It's uh, a, a, much of the tourism, um, is ba- is uh, based on the German heritage. So is like Oktoberfest like a big thing over there? It is. And there's also a, another festival uh, called Bachfest, which happens on the first Saturday of March. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so you, if you want to imagine 6,000 Germans drinking outside, listening to uh, polka music, that's basically it. Okay, so I can totally relate to that. I grew up in Central California in a Swedish town. And so there's something very unique to towns that have like a very rich cultural heritage. Like my town was settled by Swedish settlers. There's the Swedish festival with like dancing around the Maypole. So I totally, totally can relate to what you're talking about with like it becoming a tourist attraction and these really... I don't want to call them obscure festivals, but something that's really fun and a rich experience for kids. Yes, yes, indeed. In fact, uh, before I moved to Minnesota, I lived in Michigan, and and there's a town in Michigan called Frankenmuth, uh, which is 15 miles north of where I grew up. And I actually worked in Frankenmuth, but Frankenmuth compared to New Ulm is like a Disney-fied version of... Huh. Uh, of Germany, um, I bartended in Lederhosen to give you. A, <laughs> I, is, is that now you're speaking all these German German terms? It, it sounds it sounds very German, very German. Yes. <laughs> well, the Lederhosen, those are the shorts with like well, the right. front suspender looking things, yes, right? The, yes. The, the, the German short, the, the 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 leather shorts with suspenders. Yes. It they're, reminds me of an the episode of uh, the National Lampoon's European Vacation when yes. they're like stop and they're like wearing the Lederhosen. <laughs> yes. That's hilarious. Yes, it totally yes. does. So hey, so hey, Chris, um, being there, you live out there. What do you do for work out there? What do you do? I am actually, and this is going to sound weird, a traditional 
online teacher. I know that a lot of teachers, uh, my wife included, are now teaching uh, remotely because of the pandemic. But I've been teaching online for eight years. Really? Yes. What teach, grade uh, or what? What? Uh, who do you teach? Middle school special education. Oh wow! So that's like a very unique approach to doing that online. I can see how. Um, you've had to figure out quite a bit. I mean, before all of this recent distance learning, but you've probably walked through all the challenges everybody else is facing years ago. Yes, yes. In fact, the hardest challenge has, uh, for me this uh, last few months has been having everyone at home when I'm trying to work. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm off during the day and Christine is here working from home in her office now. So, you know, I know what that's like, It's you know. Yeah, so it, no, it's a uh, it's it's uh, very advantageous for my family because I used to teach in a town fifty miles away, and that was when we we had one child. And now uh, when we were having twins, we <gasps> figured that that wasn't going to work. So you have and twins? I, yes, I have an. Uh, we have an eleven year old and eight year old twins. Wait, two sets of twins? No, no, I uh, one. A single eleven-year-old. Okay, got it. <laughs> old twins. I thought you were saying you had eleven-year-old twins and eight-year-old twins. Are they identical twins? Uh, they're fraternal. One boy and one girl. Oh wow, How that's fun. Okay, now when they have fraternal twins, are they still kind of similar? I mean, I, I don't know that. I don't know how this works, but I know identical twins look the same. But when fraternal twins, um, how are they? I mean, compared to you know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's put it this way: uh, when they were in kindergarten. Uh, one day for morning meeting, they were going around and talking about themselves and it happened to be last names. And so my son, Seth, said, oh, my, uh, my name is Seth Gordon. And then um, my daughter says, oh, I'm Anna Gordon. And one of the kids, tur- one of the kids turned and said, you guys are related? <laughs> really? <laughs> they had no idea. Yeah, they are very different. Wow. And they're twins. Crazy. Yes. Yeah, I mean. Chris, it's like, well, Chris, my Chris, sorry, not Chris Gordon. It's like having two completely different children just at the same time. I mean, they have their own unique identities. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you always hear stories of like twins, like one twin breaks their leg and the other one feels it. Oh, yeah. You know, things like that. Is that true? Is that a true thing? Um, th- there is uh, a phenomenon that I've heard about that's similar to that, yes. But they, no, uh, one hurts themselves, the other one looks and says, what are you whining about? That sounds like our relationship here, but we're not twins. So, (laughs) Well, we are excited to have you on the show and thanks for sharing a little bit of your background. But you and I met through an online group on Facebook and I was really drawn to your story because it's very unique. You've had something pretty significant happen in your life over the last couple of years. And would you mind telling us about that experience? Certainly. Uh, in March 2015, I scratched my right hand on my garage wall. Now, I know what you're thinking. How traumatic. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Three days later, after I scratched my hand, I woke up and to discover I had a huge bump on my right elbow. I went into, and this was on a Saturday. So I went into the walk-in clinic. The attending doctor said, well, it looks like bursitis, maybe cellulitis. Why don't you go home, check on it, and if anything develops, let us know. Well, 8 o'clock comes around, 
and I have a arm. I have an arm which is now triple the size of my left arm. My right arm is ginormous. Wow! Um, like basically, swollen? yes, yes. Uh, basically, the infection, which uh, where the uh, the bump had grown. Uh, through my arm, my shoulder, and then my chest and my back. Oh my gosh. Um, throughout the day. I basically look like the Incredible Hulk in mid-transformation. Okay. No. Yes, indeed. Was um, your skin green? Um, a little bit was. Um, oh, wow. And ironically, I was wearing purple pants. Oh, so, wow. There okay. you go. Uh, but wait, but so wait, you said a scratch, like like just like a nail, like you scratched it on a nail? or a stud in the garage like, or something? Like, on my garage wall, on my outdoor garage wall, I was flying my uh, one of the twins, uh, who was two at the time. I was flying him uh, to the van because I was helping my wife uh, get the kids and her out, out the door for the day. And I went too close to the wall, scratched my hand, and then I put them in the van. They took off. I went back in the house. I cleaned the wound as well as I thought I, 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 thought I had cleaned it well. So was it bleeding and, or anything? Uh, a little bit, but not too bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it wasn't like gushing blood or anything. Uh, so I cleaned it and went went uh, on with my day. Wow. Okay, so sorry, I had to backtrack to that because I was just stuck on that for a minute. So fast forward, 8 p.m. at night, arm is triple the size, you look like Hulk. And your body's swollen too, you said. Uh, yep, yeah, my right side, uh, the right side of my torso was swollen um, with the infection. And so my wife and I uh, called one of, her, one of her coworkers who brought her, her son to watch our kids. Our kids are sleeping at that time. And then uh, my wife took me to the emergency room. And when they admitted me, they could not get a proper blood pressure reading on me because I had gone septic. Oh my gosh. What does that, that mean? What does that even mean? Oh. Uh, sepsis is, uh, in layman's terms, a, an overreaction of the body when it has an infection. It's, it pumps a chemical into the blood stream uh that is supposed to uh fight off the infection but it also becomes toxic right and yeah so, it's super dangerous it's actually my grandmother passed away from sepsis so i i'm sorry I, to hear that. I know how dangerous it is so it's like you go from having a scratch on the back of your hand to several hours later like life-threatening illness right yes Wow, and and this is New Ulm, Minnesota, which uh, does have a very nice hospital. However, they were unprepared for what I had brought to them, and so they kept me overnight. And in the morning, the uh, attending doctor at that time told told us as much, and asked me where I wanted to go. And without without hesitation, I said Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Oh yeah, best why, in the why, world. Why there? Why there? Uh, because it's the Mayo Clinic. It's the one of the best hospitals in the world. And also, uh, my in-laws live uh, live in Rochester. And actually, at the time, my father-in-law was a chaplain at oh, wow. the at the hospital. So you're already familiar with that uh, that hospital in that neighborhood. You're saying so already familiar with Rochester. So they uh, strapped me literally into a hard light plane. I was on a gurney. Uh, they had to strap me to the side, the inside of the plane, not the outside. That'd be very windy. An actual airplane. Yeah, an airplane. Uh, they took me to a municipal uh, airport here in town, and uh, they uh, they strapped me in, and they flew me 20 minutes to Rochester. Mm-hmm. 
And then they admitted me, they uh, drove me from the airport to the hospital and got me set up for surgery. Um, while my wife and kids were driving from New Ulm to Rochester uh, with packed bags for only a few days, because surely this would only take a couple of days. Right. How long of a drive is that from there? It's uh, about one hour, 45 minutes. Okay. Wow. So, okay, you've gone from day before, just typical day, loading up the kids in the car, um, to now fighting for your life and being life flighted basically to an, a completely different city to one of the best hospital complexes in the world for this treatment. At this point, did you have a diagnosis beyond sepsis? No, we, uh, I did not. We did not know exactly what was going on uh, until right before I'd gone to the surgery. Um, they had given me some pain medication uh, which had really sent me on a crazy trip. Uh, and, uh, the, the, la the last thing I remember before going into surgery was I was in my wheelchair, my head was listing and the operating surgeon is trying to talk to me, mm -hmm. but I seem to be cracking jokes and <laughs> just having this, let's do it. Let's roll the dice. Did they let's give you any kind of pain it. meds or something? Yes, yes. Um, one of them was called ketamine, and to uh, quote, um, to quote uh, Happy Gilmore, it's the devil, Mama. <laughs> really? Um, it. I mean, it does a really good job of uh, taking away the pain, but also uh, gave me um, awful hallucinations. Oh wow! So you're wow. on a trip then. Yes, and so I barely remember talking to the surgeon, and I had a very optimistic, let's go get him attitude, which he wasn't really used to coming from uh, 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 patients in my set uh, setting. They, they usually are more worried, usually crying, usually scared for their lives. And I was quite the opposite. Well, but to your defense, you didn't know exactly what you were dealing with other than your arm is really swollen, you had right. a really bad cut, and you have sepsis. And you're having surgery for, did you even know what it was for? No. Uh, and uh, I, might, I can't remember if he told me uh, during that time. I definitely learned afterwards, though. Right. Now, did they ever, did they ever knock you out at this point? Uh, yes. Uh, I, was in, I was in a coma for four, almost five days. Was what? That, was that medically induced or that happened on its own? That was, yeah, that was medically induced for the surgeries. Yeah. No, wait, you just said surgeries, plural. So, yes. so you didn't just have one. No, no, no. No, I, they first had to go in and uh, take away all of the infected tissue. Basically, they filleted me like a fish. Oh, wow. Um, every, uh, all, all the way from the back of my hand up to the uh, base of my neck. Ugh. Ow. Um, yeah, and, and as my wife uh, would later tell me, they were measuring the uh, extent of the um, infection with a marker. And by the time that the infection reached my neck and they had drawn that line at the base of my neck, my wife left the room. 
Oh my that goodness. was too much for her. Yeah, I, w- I would be too. It, wow, wow. So, so backtrack a little bit. When they say infection, have the, at that point, did they diagnose what it really was? Yes, uh, they knew it was necrotizing fasciitis, which means flesh-eating bacteria. What from your garage? From my garage wall. It's a uh, it's a group A strep, which is short for streptococcus. And the strand I had was called Streptococcus perogenes. Oh, my and gosh. It, yes. And so uh, my strep had been around uh, our family for the past uh, couple of weeks. And so that's basically what caused this. Like strep throat? Yes. Just a different strain? Yes. But what's it doing on your garage door? Just hanging out, waiting for someone to scratch their stupid hand on it. Oh my gosh, because, you know, viruses and illnesses, they can live on surfaces. We know that based off of what we've lived through in America over the next, the last several months, but... Wow, because I thought, I hear about this virus, I always imagined, I always thought it happened in like swamps or like... uh, Oh, the necrotizing fasciitis? Yeah, like in creeks, things like that. Right, that's what we've heard on the news before, is like people swimming in like some... Filthy pond somewhere. Or some pond like in some remote rainforest and now they have either a parasite or like flesh-eating bacteria but you were literally at home raised yourself on the the wall of the garage yes, yes. And, and this is uh, still in winter in minnesota so very much oh. the opposite of what you're describing so but doesn't winter doesn't the viruses last longer in the cold at least uh i don't know uh, some some of them tend to yes yeah and so that's probably what uh happened yeah so you go in for surgery they clean everything out um, and then what's your recovery like from this? Um, well, uh, I do have to backtrack a, li- backtrack a little bit. Uh, after the first surgery, um, they found that the infection had uh, protru- had gone into my right arm, my right hand, particularly a little farther than uh, the, nor- the other areas of my body. And they were about to amputate my left, my right arm. Oh my gosh! Because it had gone in so far. However, the occupational therapist who was in attendance saw that I still had hand function, so they elected to remove a 15-inch by 4-inch flap of skin from my left thigh. Oh wow! And uh, they replaced, and because I also had, uh, I also had an artery running through it. And so they put that on the back of my hand and forearm. And so that part of skin, I now call my thand because (laughs) I'm on my hand. Wow. Um, However, uh, since they took that uh, flap of skin off my hand, I now had a big, off my leg, I now have a big gaping hole in my leg. And I am a runner. Oh, So I have rather strong and big thighs. They could not close the wound <gasps> properly, so they had to take out my uh, one of my thigh, one of my quad muscles. Oh my gosh! Uh, my vastus lateralis. So basically, instead of a quad, I have a tri. Oh uh, wow! My left, arm, my left leg. So did they like do a skin graft on top of that area to close it up, or or how did they on your thigh? How did they repair that? Because that's a really big chunk. Yes, uh, they had to. Uh, insert what's called a Jacob's ladder, uh, which is basically like fancy shoestrings, uh, shoelaces, and uh-huh. then they in, uh, inserted a pair of knobs 
on uh, one knob on each side of the wound. And so every so often they'd come in and tighten the Jacob's ladder to help my leg heal. Okay, Chris is squirming over here. Well, you know, it's funny, <laughs> it's funny you say that, Chris, because not that long ago, I went to the doctor for something very similar. Do you remember this, Christine? It was not flesh-eating bacteria. No. Don't minimize the man's experience. <laughs> I'm not, but, but I... But it was cellulitis. What was it called? Okay. It was cellulitis. It, no, it was a bug bite. I thought it was a black right. widow bite. It was a, it was a black widow bite, or but something. because it wasn't was. tended to right away, it turned into cellulitis, and so that we, they had to do the draw the circle around the bite, inject the, <laughs> the medicine into it. He had to track it it was a nasty bite and it was starting to spread it but was kind of like you said it bumped up like you said and yeah, my arm it kind did. of swell, swelled my arm started to swell just like that like you said now i'm thinking yep. about you told me like gosh kind of scary it could have been the same thing but it got you know i don't know well yours was a black widow bite not, I, we don't know for sure but you know but yeah. not flesh-eating bacteria honey yeah. sorry okay there are necrotizing spider bites so i mean <laughs> don't tell him ah. that <laughs> he's sitting over here scratching yeah. his arms and we don't mean yeah. to minimize your experience because this sounds super super traumatic now <laughs> you're um Let's fast forward. So you went through these surgeries. You have um, definitely not just a two or a three day recovery due to the fact that you're in a medically induced coma for several days. Your family's there. How mm-hmm. long did you end up staying in Mayo? I was in Mayo for 65 days. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And what, what does in Mayo mean? Mayo for, the, for us, I don't I, know. You know? Yeah, I, I, I was in Mayo Clinic in the hospital. Oh, Okay. Um, in for 65 days uh the first couple weeks i was in an icu room and then they uh, moved me to a um, lower lower level um a hospital room for the majority of my stay wow and then i'm guessing after you were discharged then you had the uphill battle of therapy to get your hand and your leg back in order was that yeah. extensive? Uh, yeah. Well, um, I, I guess uh, I, I spent three weeks in home therapy, which meant that every day a nurse would come and dress my wounds because um, after my uh, coma, after I woke from my coma, I still had other surgeries. I had to have uh, various skin graft harvesting surgeries. Um, and they took uh, skin grafts um, from my thighs uh, and my back, and so I basically they used a souped-up cheese grater to take skin off of my legs and my back Ooh. to place onto my uh, the places where they debrieved the skin. Oh wow! Um, Did they put so, painkiller with that when they do that? Oh, very much so. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, I was uh, I was feeling pretty good for a while there. Well, <laughs> I don't know about being feeling pretty good after after that after cheese grater. Well, the painkillers is what well, he said. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, so I had uh, other surgeries for the uh, grafting, and the harvesting, and then the attachments. Wow, this sounds like a really life altering experience that you've endured. Not just the being diagnosed with flesh-eating bacteria, but that entire road to recovery. So how has this experience altered your life? I think that in many ways, it's given me a, a stronger purpose beyond, you know, being a good Christian, being a good husband, being a good father, being a good teacher. Um, you know, I've, 
always uh, been a public speaker in some uh, fashion, you know, whether it be teaching or theater. And I feel that with this experience, I have a way to inspire people to work through their own adversity and to reach for greatness on their own terms. That sounds really powerful. Now, in this experience that you had, um, we know that the road to recovery can be long and arduous. After you finished the home therapy and you stopped to evaluate your life, did you struggle with anything like depression? Or um, we know that some people that have gone through it and have had to use lots of painkillers have uh, fallen into any type of substance abuse. Did you struggle with any of those things afterwards? Um... On the substance abuse, I actually suffered the opposite. I was huh. so determined to not become, you know, not fall victim to substance abuse that I accident, accidentally went cold turkey oh, on my wow. meds, and I almost was not discharged on my discharge date. I was Why? supposed to be discharged on May 26, but my body was going through uh, withdrawal from not having painkillers that I threw up three times. Oh, wow. And they would not let me out. <laughs> I was supposed to get out at 10 a.m. They wouldn't let me out till 6 p.m. Wow. Wow. Um, but in terms of the uh, PTSD, actually, I am I didn't suffer from that. I, and I can't really say for certain why, but I believe a strong contributor to my recovery has been the gratitude that I felt towards everyone who stepped up to help me and my family. And I have this belief that for me to have a negative outlook on things, to, to you know, ask why me, to basically have a pessimistic view on everything would be a slap in the face to everyone who's in my corner. That's a very, so, that's a very interesting perspective. Now that attitude of gratitude, have you had that your entire life or would you say that it's something that really emerged through this experience? I think I, well, I've always had it uh, at varying degrees, but it definitely kicked in when the situation arose. Wow. Wow, man. And so that's why one of my talks, I focus on this simple process that I've created, um, you know, to show not only have someone view all the great things in their lives, but also show others how much they, you know, they're appreciated and then in turn give others a, a, a chance to be gratitude for what they're given. So uh, you do also, because of this, have uh, – did this become – while you started becoming a speaker or were you already doing public speaking before this happened? This is primarily why I became a speaker. Uh, okay. So so what is your message when you do speak? I, I have a couple of them. Um, one I just talked about was the attitude of gratitude. Um, another one is uh, what I call um, passing on perfection and going for greatness. Ooh, tell, because- us, about, tell us more about that one. Because I feel that uh, we are so inundated with visions of perfection that when we see our own failings, our own uh, faults, that it paralyzes us to not even try to do things. So by passing on perfection, by not worrying about being perfect, 
and going for greatness, you can still have those moments of perfection. You know, I, I think of bowlers, you know, not, you know, no bowler will ever bowl 300 every time. Mm-hmm. They might get it once in a while though. They try though. I mean, you know. Yes. I mean, you, you don't stop trying. You never stop trying, but you can reach excellence. You can be at a level of excellence all the time and you can occasionally reach perfection, but it's striving for that greatness, which is, uh, which was, was, is what everyone should do. Well, going off of this passing on perfection, I think that that's something that hits home with me. Chris and I have frequent conversations. We both struggle with perfectionism in different aspects of our life. But for me, it can, like you said, become paralyzing where it's like, if I can't do it right from the beginning, I just sometimes want to give up. So what would you say to an individual like me that might be struggling with that in life? I would say first, look, uh, look at the strengths that you possess and focus on those strengths. And then pick one area of weakness that you can improve on. And then I would, I would chart that improvement over time while still maintaining those strengths. And then when you have that one area of weakness, which is now a strength, you move on to the next one. And I like that, I like that approach. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't uh, set, I, I wouldn't set the bar to, you know, to a hundred percent, you know, I would say maybe 80%, you know, if you were to gauge um, a success rate for that weakness, um, but I'm not saying you can't reach 100%, but, you know, again, we want to be become great and not perfect. I like yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, striving for greatness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, sometimes that perfection will happen, but by accepting that we're imperfect, you know, it, ge- it actually gives us the freedom to, to be great instead of being paralyzed by uh, the perils of perfection. Right. Now, we know that you've, been a speaker, you're a teacher, but I thought that I saw something come up on social media recently about another new project that you were either just getting ready to launch or just launched recently. What is that? Are you speaking of my podcast? Yes. Yes, we are. Yes. Uh, I started, uh, I actually launched it last week. It's called Scar Bearers. And being an enormous geek, I uh, borrowed the Star Wars style uh, font for my uh, podcast uh, thumbnail. Mm-hmm. And I focus wow. on uh, why, because um, I want to, I, I want to invite people to when they come on my show or listen to my show to let their geek flag fly. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of individ- individualism um, in fact, I've used my uh, scars for cosplay, which is costume play. And in fact, uh, four years ago, I went to Salt Lake City to uh, attend a comic book convention, and I dressed up as a battle-worn, battle-scarred Wolverine, and I pretended to cut the hand of my best friend off and hand it to Mark Hamill. Wow, he was there. Yes. Well, do you have a picture of that? You have photos, oh, right? Yes. Yes, I do, in fact. <laughs> okay. He's nerding out right now because uh, we live in San Diego, which is obviously the place where Comic-Con typically ex- occurs every not year. Not this year, though. Just not this year. Yeah. 
Right, but that's really fun. You should definitely do that and come to Comic Con. You have you, you, totally have you ever been down here to Comic Con? I have not been to uh, San Diego Comic Con. No, I oh. um the one I was at was uh, Salt Lake City. Calls it was it was called Salt Lake Comic Con, but now it's called Fan X. Oh, I think I've heard of that one. I've heard of that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I've been there a couple years. Um, oh, right on. My uh, my sister in law's brother though goes to uh, Comic Con in San Diego religiously. Yeah, it's insane. I've been here. trying yeah. to get tickets and I cannot get tickets to San Diego <laughs> Comic Con. I've tried and I've tried. I just give up. I, I was going to buy them on the black market, but for like quadruple the price, I don't know. You know? Yeah, and they take your kidney and yeah, you, you still don't get in a hall H. You know, right. I know. So Scar Bearers is your new podcast. Tell us a little bit of what it's about and why you started it. It's a it's about being a survivor and being proud of your scars because your scars are evidence that you survived, that you are tougher than what tried to take you down. And so uh, these fa- first few episodes, I've talked about my own experience about necrotizing fasciitis mm-hmm. and, you know, dealing with having a part, you know, big part of your body that can't sweat. Oh, wow. And as a, yeah, as a runner, I, you know, you run and you build up a lot of heat in your body. Well, sweat is the main way that your body can uh, regulate its, its temperature. When you have at least 30% of your body that can't do that, you have to take other precautions. So I, I, I discussed that a little bit. Um, I definitely delve into my geekery. Um, (laughs) the first few episodes, uh, I've taken, I've taken popular uh, theme songs and, and reworded them to be uh, scar bear themed scar bearer theme, not a bear of scars, which is visually awesome. (laughs) Um, but today, uh, I actually interviewed my I actually conducted my first interview uh, with a fellow survivor of necrotizing fasciitis. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, six years old. Oh, wow. wow. And he uh, he contracted it two years ago. Um, and he's a, he's a tough little warrior. Um, he actually lost his left, uh, his, his right leg from the knee down. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had to have amputated because of the infection. And um, his left arm is scarred from it, too. But he plays wheelchair basketball, and he plays tennis. And so um, I'm really excited to share the information from that uh, interview with my with my listeners. That's awesome. It sounds like such an inspiring message. And I love that you were talking about how um, like your scars don't define you. And I think that that's like physical scars, as well as a lot of people carry emotional scars from trauma. And I think that that is a message that we all need to hear. And so where can our listeners find you and subscribe to your podcast? Well, I believe I am on Spotify. Awesome. And Google Podcasts. Um, there are a couple, a few more. I, I'm, I'm blanking right now. Some of them, the smaller... Uh, the lesser known podcast sites. I haven't made it to the big game yet. I'm not on Apple yet. Uh, what but, you do, um, it changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. That's what I've heard. Um, but yeah, definitely Spotify and uh, Google Podcasts are two that I'm. I definitely remember. 
Um, and then you can also go to my website, which not only uh, features the uh, podcast and my YouTube channel. I've made some videos on YouTube, but also uh, it, it shows me uh, performing a few speaking engagements and has some more information on my uh, speaking endeavors. That's awesome. So friends, you can find Scar Bearers on Google Podcasts or on Spotify and hopefully another streaming service coming to you soon. You can also go to www.chrisdtgordon.com. You can find Chris DT Gordon on Instagram and also find him on Facebook. And Chris, thank you so much for sharing your heartfelt story of overcoming the odds with our listeners. And we wish you nothing but the best of luck with your speaking and podcasting journey to inspire the world. Well, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys and to share my message. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate having you. Thank you. Have a great day now. Hey, guys. What's up? This is the J-Boy Show. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Mason. And don't forget to listen to our new uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. We talk about sports, motors, engines, and all kinds of stuff. And YouTubers. And YouTubers. So don't forget to subscribe and listen in every Sunday. All right, and keep moving forward. 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 Well, that was a very interesting and fun and informative interview. Yeah, it was. I really liked how Chris talked about, Chris Gordon talked about having an attitude of gratitude through his journey of his recovery from necrotizing fasciitis. I can't even say that word. I I don't even know how to say it. I've been practicing. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, I just, I, I think that his message of having hope and gratitude in the midst of really messy things is very relevant for our current time right now you know and i stubbed my toe like yesterday so i kind of totally relate you oh my gosh don't get me it was started bleeding and everything okay the truth of the story is chris had an absolute fit I woke and he said that is and he said that he was gonna have to get his his toe chopped off and um, that bleeding. it was that it was gushing blood, it was gushing blood, and that he was going like to need to band aids. That he was going to need to call in sick um, because there was no way he was going to be w- able to walk on his foot. Mind you, he was cracking up over the fact that his son had almost an identical cut on the bottom of his same exact big toe. And Chris was like, "Why are you walking funny like that?" <laughs> and then he, yes, it was quite an afternoon. I tripped over the curb in flip flops, and in if y'all know what that happens, your toes are exposed to and the I- gravel. And I tripped over the curb on the pavement, and it was took a big chunk of my skin right off. No, it didn't. It left a cut that was covered by one Band-Aid. Yeah, but the Band-Aid, you know, it bled through it and stuff. I had to change Band-Aids. After a day to keep it fresh. Whatever. Right. <laughs> it hurts, okay? He's like, I just want some sympathy from you. And I was like, I my reservoir for sympathy is really low right now. But, um, you know, it's just, I, I appreciate the... The message that Chris Gordon shared with us, and it was it was kind of fun being the Chris, Chris, and Christine show for a little bit there. (laughs) And now we're going to transition into everybody's favorite time of the podcast. Everybody's yes, and it's called "Sing Along Time with Chris." Sing it sweetly, all right? You're getting ready. Sing it, serenade it. We got to come up with a title for this segment because we have shout out central after this. So, uh, folks, send us your your little 
ideas of what we should call the guitar. Get it on the guitar. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and we're gonna um, let Chris play us a little ditty that goes along with a little bit of our show today, and we'll uh, hear from him next. Okay, here we go. We're gonna play a little song. This is Chris's little ditty from the Chris and Christine show. Come with you live. <laughs> Get close to the microphone. You're, you're way up for the microphone. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just leaning back. I'm just leaning back and just enjoying, soaking every moment mm-hmm. in. All right, I'm ready. Go ahead, babe. Okay, this one's called, I don't know what it's called, but we'll call it. Uh, the Ruby Ride. Okay. It's uh, Christine riding in her Ruby Red SUV. Okay. <laughs> By the way, everybody, no lessons on the guitar. <laughs> uh, you can purchase the um, EP of this song <laughs> after the, the show. Okay, here we go, here we go. Well, that was it's kind of dark. What it's kind of like gothic. Well, I'm working on it, right? Okay, okay. It's a work okay. in progress. Happy, like a happy tune. Okay, okay ready, go. All right, hang on. Christine bought a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> she bought a guitar today. I bought a guitar? I mean, I- I mean, a, a car. I mean, a guitar. I don't know why I keep saying that. Okay, we're going to turn this off. Turn this off. Keep going. Yeah, everybody loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to write a song here. I know, I know. Okay, okay, ready? Compose yourself. Ready? Three, two, one, go. I love Christine. (laughs) She bought herself a good no (laughs) car car machine. A car machine. (laughs) It's called Ruby Red because a car's red. That's so unique for a car color. I named her Cardi. She named her Cardi. Because Wait, she's a car. You named it Cardi? Cardi. Cardi. Like, like Cardi B, but she's a car. Diddy, diddy. <laughs> well, Christy bought herself a guitar. Car for the guitar. Car. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm playing for you. fantastic thank you very much yes you know i'm quite the lucky girl i wonder how many ladies out there get serenaded on an almost nightly almost hourly basis (laughs) by their partner in crime i just wonder you know I think that it's fantastic. Well, you're welcome, babe. You're welcome. Uh, so, Chris, for those that are asking um, and blowing up social media right now with this um, musical musings, this wonder of you on the guitar, they want to know when you're going to um, perform at your first coffee house. So I was wondering, <laughs> do you well, have a date lined up? Well, tomorrow morning downstairs, Father's Day, <laughs> we're having coffee and serenade. <laughs> For you all, live concert coming live. Mm-hmm, live concert streaming live from the living room with Chris. It's going to be a uh, conversation, coffee, and concert with Chris. There you go, babe. There yes, you go. there that, you go. That's fantastic. Yes, it is fantastic. And so, Chris, what do you have next for us? Next is our Shout Out Central, where we bring it back to you. And we say thank you for listening. And by saying thank you, we actually shout out the cities that we can tell are listening to our podcast. And the country. And the country. Thank you. so we started off across the pond. Our first country that we have listening, thank you, our loyal listener that is tuning in every week, and that is Spain. 
Thank you, Spain. Ole. <laughs> Is it ole, ole? Ole. We've talked about this before. Oh, gosh. Yes. Spain, thank you for joining us. We also have the United Kingdom. Thank you, United Kingdom. <laughs> Awkward pause. I thought you were going to come up with something like, hello, Gavna. <laughs> oh, hello, Gavna. Hey, Queen. We, we love our friends from the UK. Um, also, we have our friends joining us again from Dublin, Ireland. Dublin. Thank you to our friends from Ireland. And Chris, I have news for you. What's up, baby? We had a new country this week. New country? Yes, what? taking the total to, I think, 24. Maybe. And it is the country of Hong Kong. Hey, Hong Kong. Right. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, when I was growing up, a lot of toys I'd see said made, made in Hong Kong. That's where I make the toys at. Yeah. Hong so when, Kong, I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to go there just to see the toy factory. Right. That's amazing. So thank you to our new listener from Hong Kong and as well as our loyal listeners in the U.S. of A. Thank you, America. Thank you for listening. Thank you, America. America. And All right. Spe- speaking of America, back here, some of the cities that listen to us this week, we have Bristol, Tennessee. Bristol, Tennessee. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining. Next, we have Montclair, New Jersey. Woohoo! Thank you for listening. Thank you. And going on down south, we got Riverview, Florida. Riverview, Florida. I have never been there before. Neither have I. I bet they're by the by the river, and I bet they got a view. That would be fantastic. If what they if, don't, what if they were mad. like in a desert? That would be like a funny like <laughs> oh, oxymoron, right? Totally. Like like you're tall, but you really call him shorty. <laughs> and very last but not least, coming close to town here, we have the city of Vista, California. Now you know that Vista is another word for view. Well, there you go. I wonder if Vista has a very nice view. It does. Maybe like a river view? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure, why not? Thank you for listening and thank you for joining us this week. It's all been very fantastic. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. And for all of the dads out there or those that are dads in training, thank you for all that you do. America needs more amazing men like you. Our kiddos need strong men in their lives. Hooray. Hooray. And on that note, we will see you guys next week with an absolute fantastic episode. You're not going to want to miss it. I promise you that. See you next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.